everything he does like he has a purpose to it and sometimes like when you're young you're like what the heck are we doing this for like oh my gosh but like there's a method to his madness and I I appreciate it so much and it put me in the best shape of my life and I don't think I will ever run out of like endurance ever again I think I'll be 80 years old and I'll still be in pretty good shape even if I don't do anything I'm getting fit Um, right now just talking to you Welcome to Social Kick. I'm Brian Lundquist. We got a full crew. I'm on the road. We got Dr. John Mullen, Luke Paddington, and joining us after World Trials, Reagan Smith. What's up, Reagan? Hi, it's so good to be here. Well, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, I mean, I guess let's start with, um, you know, your what you accomplished last week, making the World Championship team uh, in a few events and Honestly, having a great showing there. Um, what was your reaction to the meet on the whole? Um, I think I was really pleased with my performances um, overall. Um, I think it was really fun to get back to racing long course after having you know, such a long college season and doing so many short course meets in a row. It was really fun to get back to, um, I'd say, my favorite type of racing. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a great time. It was fun to see a lot of friends that I haven't seen in a long time and just kind of catch up with people and get some good racing in. And, um, yeah, I was really pleased that I was able to make the team too in a few events. Um, so overall I'd say it was a really successful weekend and I was really proud of it. Yeah, definitely. It looked like you had some great swims, any specific like highlights from you? Like, Oh, I paced this so well on this event other than just like the total time, any like race strategies or things that really stood out and went well for you? Yeah. I would say my execution of my 200 back was Mm. something that I'm really, really proud of. Um, I mean, it's no secret that like I've been struggling with the two back ever since like when I broke the world record in 2019. Mm. And that was my third fastest swim ever. Mm only behind my two 203s. And I was just really proud of it. I think that I'm getting like really comfortable with that race again. And I think I'm feeling um, more confident in it too. And like, I know how to attack it more. And I feel like in the past, I just kind of went into it really scared just because I felt all of those like expectations um, on me after posting that swim that I posted three years ago. So I think I'm like very slowly but surely getting back to a great place with that race. And I'm just excited for, you know, what the future holds for me in that event. So it was a great stepping stone forward for me. So I'm really pleased with that race in particular. There was something you said last week about that race that really struck me um, in one of the post-race interviews that you gave. You were talking about how that world record swim has has kind of followed you. Um, and... I mean, like that totally makes sense. And it's it's interesting for me to hear for somebody as young as you are to have gone through this this arc of, you know, that that world record, obviously the hundred um, that you had in the same meet. And, you know, like I'm, I'm just so impressed um, by your comments at NCAAs and kind of what you just said now by kind of where you are mentally with this, because, you know, not like the sport isn't, you know, totally uh, linear for everybody. And I think there's a lot of people that expect like you break a world record. What's next is another world record, you know, and it's just like, it doesn't always work that way. And people do change events and you're still growing and longevity is different in swimming now. So like for all of these reasons, it's like, you know, I think that 
it takes somebody uh, like what you're doing right now, I think, to kind of reset the expectations around like, you know, just uh, when you have a great performance, there can be other great performances, but it doesn't need to track like all in a straight line. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think so many people's expectations on themselves and that other people have on you is just to, yeah, like what's next, you know, like keep getting better, better, better. And if you suddenly don't have a swim that, you know, people aren't expecting or that you're maybe not hoping for, then, you know, it's just like, oh, like they've fallen off or like, oh, they're not getting better anymore, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just, it took me a long time to realize that that's just not true. And I still am trying to convince myself of that sometimes. But yeah, it's just so important to realize, like you said, you know, swimming is not linear, you know, like there's going to be bumps in the road and there's going to be setbacks, especially when you get to the highest level in your sport. And yeah, I just, I'm, I'm proud of myself that I've begun to realize that and just be nicer to myself about all of this, because I think for a long time I was really, really hard on myself and I kept expecting, you know, like perfection from myself and, um, I think that was another hard part about getting older. It's like, you know, when you're a kid, you drop time at like every single race you go to. And I think that was the case for me for a pretty long time up into my late teens. And so it's just important to, again, like you said, it's just, it's not linear, you know, like there's going to be setbacks that happen. It's just important to be kind to yourself through that process. So, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if one day swimming had no times and we just kept about placing. Imagine touching a wall and not seeing your time, just seeing where you place. Because any day we are competitive against ourselves for time, but also I want to beat John and Brian every day in practice. I don't care what time I do, I just want to beat them. Right? And you know, it always happens. But he never does. You yeah. never <laughs> in practice, you touch your wall and that's what you care about. I'll touch them. And, and how could it be if we could just swim and just see that we came first and, and be proud of that medal and not, approve, you know, not, not comparing yourself to what you were or what you hoped you would be but what you were right then. So. Right. And I think that's super interesting too. Cause like, I, I love that idea. And then at the same time, I'm like, well, wait a minute, whenever I'm racing, I'm always just trying to be concerned with myself. And I'm never like trying mm -hmm. to worry about what mm -hmm. the people next to me are doing, because then I feel like I'm swimming outside of my own lane and I ultimately can't control like what the people around me are doing. So I see both sides, but like, I totally yes. see what you're saying. Cause in practice, I'm like, I don't really care how fast I'm going. It's like, I just want to beat the people next to me because the people next right. to me are really talented in practice. And so it's like, well, if I beat them, I'm having a pretty good day. So I definitely, I see both sides, but yeah, it'd be really interesting. Yeah, Luke's describing his dream of Zen swimming where times and nothing matter. He can go two minutes in a 50 free and he's just happy as a clam still. But let's right, go. Cool. That's not the real world for him. What, what are you saying? Come on now. Uh, that's not the real world, though, for elite swimming. And like you mentioned, expectations, internal and external pressures or something that, I mean, you've had to deal with for a, a, a few years now, right? And we see it all the time with young swimmers coming up where these expectations are put upon them um, from, I think it's growing with all the online stuff that we have nowadays. Um, what type of pressures externally do you feel like you've had to deal with? And are there any things that you know, you could give advice for other people that may go through this in the future? Yeah, I just think like within the swimming world and I don't even have to see stuff in particular to like know that there's like people who have expectations for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like honestly, most most of the expectations that I've struggled with are like internal, you know, and it's like I tell myself that like people outwardly are expecting X, Y, Z of me when like in reality that may not be the case. And I think the way the kind of combat that and get through that is just like a lot of positive self-talk a lot of just like 
the only thing that matters is like what you believe in yourself. Um, and it doesn't matter what external opinions, um, what other people may be saying about you. And I know that's so much easier said than done. Like, I'm just like, yeah, like I need to take my own advice when I'm saying this, but it, mm -hmm. it's just so important to just focus on yourself. And if you need to like delete social media or don't go on certain websites that like you may read things or see things that you like don't want to read or see. Um, and if it gets to a point where you just feel like you're, you're not in a place where you can push away those thoughts yourself and it's just important to talk to someone. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's something that also took me a super long time because I was like, Oh no, like I can, I can figure this out. Like I can handle this myself. I've always been pretty independent when it comes to swimming and things like that. And I think just this year I realized like, okay, there's like, there's nothing wrong with talking to someone. And if anything, it's better for you and it's better for your mental health and your relationship with the sport. Um, so I found that's helped me a lot as well. Um, but yeah, it's just, you can't worry about what other people think. And that's such like this, it's not such common knowledge, but then I feel like no one actually does that. And I don't actually do that, but it's just important to try. I mean, it's all about just trying to be better each time, right? Yeah. Because obviously we all have missteps and especially when it comes to, to mental things, right? Thoughts come in, thoughts come out. We're going to be exposed to these different things. Um, now you mentioned working with, with people to help out with this. Could you tell us more about kind of your support staff that you're utilizing to continue to improve on these areas? Yeah, yeah. So I've been working with um, Sean McCann, who's on the USOPC sports psychology staff, and he's been great. And I just have had, you know, a few sessions with him here and there just talking through, you know, how I feel going into racing and how to block out, you know, those external pressures that I'm feeling or even internal pressures that I'm feeling on myself. And um, his biggest thing for, um, for me has just been, you know, positive self-talk and sometimes even like leaning into those feelings instead of trying to push them away, like those feelings of doubt or those feelings of, you know, worrying about the pressures that um, you're experiencing. It's, he said that it can be really beneficial to actually like lean into them and try to figure out like where it's coming from and just trying to, you know, form like a relationship with it instead of like trying to push it away because pushing it away just kind of like, um, like prolongs the problem and so I found that was really helpful to me this past week and just trying to lean into my to my nervous feelings or to my anxiety about racing or or feeling pressure or anything like that and I found it made it a little bit easier to cope with um but yeah it's it's definitely a work in progress for sure like I think um you know it'll just get better with time and with more with more sessions and you know as I get older too and learn more about myself and how best to deal with things around competing and um, things like that. So, have, have you learned to recognize some of these triggers? Like, do you know that these are the moments that are going to trigger it off? Like, you know, you start to yawn before your race, or you are you're talking too much, or and therefore you recognize the triggers. And do you have specific actionable things that you do? Like, talk to yourself, say a word, put it on track, go outside, get a fresh air. I don't know. Do you have triggers and actionable things that you do? so far yeah honestly that's something that i've still been trying to figure out i don't have any specific things where i'm like oh i know that like this will be bad mm. for me and here's what i can mm. do to fix that so mm. i think that's part of my work in progress mm. i'd say like the biggest thing like i guess like if i just feel any general 
you know, feelings of anxiety or nervousness come on. I think my biggest thing forever, like long before I started working with um, Sean was just like positively talking to myself. I think, you know, like in swimming, it's an individual sport. And so you have to be your own best friend. Cause like during the race, like you only have your own thoughts to deal with and work with. And so I really, really try to be a good friend to myself and have a good relationship with myself and, you know, try to tell myself that I can do it. Even if there's another voice in the back of my head telling me that like, maybe I can't do it. So I, I I'd say my biggest thing is just like positive self-talk with myself. That helps me a lot. Have you considered talking to Sierra Schmidt about incorporating some of her dance routines? <laughs> I unfortunately can't dance, but honestly, watching Sierra before I race, it does help lighten the mood a lot. Like I wasn't, I wasn't competing on the last day of the meet, but watching them do, it was a mile. It just put me in the best mood. Like she's just so silly and goofy with her dances and you can tell she's having the absolute best time. And, you know, talking to her, like, before or after races, like, she's just, she's just so happy to be there, you know, and she's a very positive light. And that makes things, like, more lighthearted, I think, for me as well. And I think for anyone that she talks to, it's just, like, it just makes it more fun. Um, so, yeah. But, no, personally, I don't think I could pull that off to answer your question there. <laughs> well, it would cause me anxiety. I would be more nervous to do that. <laughs> that right? takes a lot of confidence. It does. <laughs> but she executes it so well. Oh, my gosh. One of a kind. And I was talking with a high school swimmer this week, and we were talking about walkout music. And I was talking about how way back when you had the list of songs that you had to choose from for walkout music because there wasn't all these streaming service. Because she was like, oh, what was your walkout song? I'm like, I think it was something cheesy like Vanilla Ice just because there was like nothing else that was entertaining at all. Um, so, Luke, what would your walkout music be? Okay. <laughs> we oh, had come on. Mortal Kombat. It was like chill in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> and we had this big ghetto. We walk on deck. We were such geeks. It was terrible. But honestly, okay, Usain I, Bolt, we haven't, we haven't had Usain Bolt on the show, but we had Arthur Bolin on the show, another track star. And mm -hmm. I swear that Usain and both Arthur make an effort to be that, you know, bravado, point to the camera, smile. And as soon as the starter says, take your marks, you see Usain go from this to woof. And so he knows that's what he controls, adrenaline rush. And, and adrenaline rush, that's all the energy gone. And he does that. He trains. And Atto is the same thing, too. Atto will be flexing and doing this and that. So, um, But there's something they work on. They work on all the time. So, um, yeah. I wish I had that guts. I would want to vomit before the block. So, be yawning or something. Right. <laughs> I would want to vomit behind the blocks if I had to do the 200 fly. That's for sure. So, oh, my God. Anyway, that's crazy. And people always tell us about how hard the 200 backstroke is long course. I remember that. But, man. So I don't envy your events. We're all sprinters. So, you know, 50, 50 <laughs> free and, and that's it. Yep, <laughs> well, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're 50 you're back some more. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. But not quite. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm more, but yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about worlds. Um, it's a, kind of an interesting worlds. And, uh, you know, you've got some Aussies that have pulled out and, um, you know, you've got the FINA ruling on the Russians and the Belarusians not uh, being allowed at the meet. So I don't know. What are your thoughts kind of going into Worlds? Is it like, you know, same mantra of I'm in my own lane and, uh, you know, just focused on Team USA? Does anything feel different uh, heading into this Worlds versus, you know, another big meet? I felt like 
such an immense sense of like relief making this team and like going to Hungary and going to Croatia for training camp is just so much fun and like I I almost view it as like as like a really fun vacation with all of my friends and that's not to say that like I'm gonna take nothing seriously and I'm just gonna goof around the whole time it's like that's not true mm. but um I I really just want to treat it like it's a super fun experience with a bunch of my friends and I always say like you know making the team is the hard part absolutely and then you know going to the meet and you know being at worlds or another big international meet is like the big fun celebration and I feel like that takes a lot of the stress off of it and just lets you go out and race and do your thing and just have fun and you know be a member of team USA and represent the country as best you can so um I would say I've been feeling like more of those feelings than I have in past meets um just because I feel like before it's like I was just putting so much pressure on myself like before 2019 for example I just so desperately was like I have to medal like I didn't medal at my at my first world championship meet and like all I want to do is win a medal and I'm so nervous that like I'm not going to win a medal and I'm not going to contribute to team USA's medal count and like I'm just like I don't deserve to be there and blah 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 like I just remember having all those feelings of like I don't deserve to be here like oh my gosh like I have so much work to do and I only have one chance to do it because I was only swimming the 200 back um at that at that meet and so now it's just like I don't want to I don't want to feel like that anymore it's like you know what like I've done the work I made the team and like I just want to have fun and celebrate and I think with that attitude the work will take care of itself at that meet um so I'm just trying to enjoy my time and enjoy getting to see some friends who I don't really get to see most of the year and yeah, I hope that's a good attitude to have. We're going to see because it, it's a new feeling for me to have about international meets like this, but I have a good feeling about it. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, we hear it more and more. You know, I just want to have fun. I think uh, yeah. we've had multiple interviewees say, you know, I just want to get out there and have fun. You know, looking back at your top swims, do you feel like before behind the blocks you were having fun or in a different state or is that just – you know, you just want to make sure you don't go the other end of the spectrum of being, you know, too anxious or too nervous. Yeah, I think with my like personality, I've always been like pretty tightly wound before races. And I think it's really interesting because a lot of my very best times in like the 100 backstroke, for example, are relay leadoffs. And before relays, I'm with three of my like very good friends, doesn't matter who they are, but yeah, on the medley relay. And I'm just like, I'm goofing around with them in the ready room. I'm having fun. I'm laughing. I'm talking and I'm more relaxed. And like, I'm still, I'm still in game mode. And then like, you know, when the whistle blows kind of like you were saying, Luke, like you just yeah. kind of change and you go into game mode. But um, yeah, then I'm like still able to have a great race, but I'm not spending as much time worrying about the what ifs, you know, and like getting in my own head. And so I think that's really interesting um so maybe i'm like honestly i'm kind of learning some things as i'm talking to you about them right now out loud it's just you know it's good to you know have your fun and then you know when it's time to be serious be serious but like don't let yourself like get freaked out for too long because sitting in that ready room for as long as we do at international meets there's plenty of time for you to get in your own head and psych yourself out and so yeah, I think me being like in relays, for example, it just allowed me to have so much more fun and then relax more and be more confident because I know I have a great team behind me. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just like thinking out loud here now, honestly. I don't know if I kind of went off on a tangent there or not. Well, but um, yeah, so. Uh, it's, I'm surprised to hear the thing about the relay too because I was trying to think when you're talking, would I be more nervous or feel the pressure on a 
relay for my country that I could, you know, win gold for them or not, or individually when I have all these expectations, they're both equal pressure and expectations. And I'm glad to hear that you have the fun on the relay because I think that's the more pressure environment representing your country. Yeah? So I, I do, mean, yeah. on your friends, you know, maybe or not. Yeah, I, I do agree with that because there is a sense of like, I'm not just swimming for me. I'm swimming right. for the three people behind me in my entire country. And that's yeah. the case when you're doing an individual event as well. But I think with the relay, it can be hard because, you know, like you have three people like right behind yeah, yeah. you or with you. And it's like, okay, like I want to get us off to a good start. Like I don't want to screw this up. Yeah. But at the same time, I know that the people on my relay love me no matter what, mm -hmm. want the best for me, know that I've put in the work and know that I'm going to go out and give it my very best effort. So it's like, whether the race goes super well for me or not, like on my particular leg, it's like, I know that they love me no matter what. And they know that I gave it my best effort. And I think that's something that I can, you know, fall back on and not like rest on that and be like, oh, I can have a, a bad race. And that's fine. It's like, no, I really want to do my best. And I feel like it motivates me even more to do my best because I know how much the people behind me you know, love and respect me and know that I'm capable of something great. So again, I, I see it, I see it both ways. It's like, you feel more pressure, but you also feel a lot more love and, and confidence because you have the people behind you. How much do you think- imagining you in practice. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead, John. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, I wonder how much like specific relay mates might make a difference in this. I'm like thinking about my past swimming experience and things like that, because, you know, we all have teammates that we know better than others, and especially with international teams, right? You might not know them too well, um, but you have certain people that probably can tell when Reagan's getting nervous. Okay, I need to do something here to make her smile or get out of her own head a little bit there. Um, I know I, I would do certain things with teammates because I'm like, oh, God, this guy's starting to freak out. I need to, you know, make fun of him and get him to loosen up a little, right? Um, so I'd love your perspective on who the relay mates are and if you think that matters or not. I, my mind went straight to Lily King, honestly, when you were saying people who are, who, you know, can help you loosen up. And so that relay that I did in 2019, you know, I was the only teenager, everyone else, Kelsey, Lily and Simone were great veterans, had made the Olympic team before, were were and still are exceptional athletes. And I just was like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm starting this relay, like, I just didn't trust myself. I was so nervous. And Lily is just so good at being like, girl, like, relax. This is so fun. Like, you're amazing. Like, she's just great at that. And she's always been so good to me. She, I really view her as like a big sister. Just, she's just, I can't even really put it into words, but she does like such a good job of being like, this is fun. Like, chill. Like, you're great. Everything's going to go great. Just do what you do and we're going to have a great time. Um, so yeah, my mind went to her immediately, but I don't think, I don't think there's any bad person that you could be on a relay with. Um, I've, I enjoy all of my relays and I do because they all have such different dynamics. You know, like the second you bring in like any different person it changes the dynamic, but never in a bad way. It's just very interesting how like four different people can connect in such a way. And then four different people can connect and, you, you become really close with your relay mates, even though you're only swimming with them for like four minutes. Um, but it's it's fun no matter what. And I think that having four different minds and personalities and mentalities together really, really helps, I think, no matter who, who those four people are. You hear that, John and Brian? Reagan, these two have been on a few relays with me and our relays have lasted three hours, guys? Three and a half hours? <laughs> we crossed Lake Tahoe. And they were oh. not more help to me. 
I'm from the Caribbean. I'm about to jump in freezing cold water with no wetsuit. And they were like, they didn't say any support. <clears throat> I've heard great things about that relay. Oh it's my the God. best relay. It's the best. Yeah, you got to do it. And you're in the area. So yeah. um, I, had, I had a question actually about that. That 20, It was 2019, right? When you swam the two back individually and then they put you on the relay for the 100. Um, so... Like, was that awkward at all with the girls, uh, the women who swam the individual 100 back? Because I've heard some stories before of um, coaches' decisions on relays. And obviously, like, you know, you got you got tapped on the shoulder because you had the hot hand and it was the right decision. Um, but is there any animosity or weird energy that happened? Was that troubling at all to kind of navigate that, especially being the young one on the team? Yeah, absolutely not. And thank goodness. It's just everyone on that team is so good at just being classy and professional and supportive. And I think something that people do a really great job of on USA trips is they're incredibly selfless and they just want to do what's ultimately going to be best for Team USA. Um, and that's always been my mentality. And I've, I think that I've learned that from the veterans that I've been on trips with. You know, they're just very much like USA first, whatever is best for the team. I'm 100% supporting. And so that was basically what happened. And there were no, there were no hard feelings or anything. And everyone was so supportive. And, you know, it was, it was Kathleen and Olivia, and they were just so supportive. And I look up to them so much, and they believed in me. And it just, it worked out really, really well. And they, they handled it really great. And were so great to me. Um, and yeah, I think it just all goes back to that idea of like Team USA first and whatever is the best. Um, option for for the team yeah i mean well, always competing for medals there's a lot at stake but um you know happy to hear that that's what the energy is like because it you know yeah. th there are some stories of it having gone the other way uh with coaches decisions unfortunately but, not, but it's usually between the athlete and the coaches on the decision you know to be left off the relay or something not so much athlete to athlete so and i think that's really special about team usa is that it's you know, it's, it's one of the international swimming teams. And I don't think that there's a ton of them that have this sort of like unity and camaraderie because of the rich history. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's that's why it's a privilege. So uh, earlier I was thinking, I was imagining you at practice um, saying to Greg, like Greg's, you know, trying to get you fired up to do something. And you're like, listen, Greg, I'm just I'm just happy to be here. OK, I'm just thankful for the opportunity. <laughs> you just calm down. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway, so um, speaking of that, I'm curious about like uh, differences in training, like what you were doing in high school. What's the transition been like to swimming in college, and like what's what has remained that you've pulled from training that's worked for you, and what have you done? Like, what have you been doing differently that um, was something that you hadn't done before, but it's really working. Yeah, so I think I got lucky. I love both styles of training um, that my coach Mike had in high school with me, or I, I joined his club in seventh grade. So seventh through um, my gap year, I suppose, so six years and then with Greg. Um, I really like it both. They're very different, honestly. And so that was um, a really kind of fun transition to make. And I think I was lucky with Greg that, you know, I would get um, a taste of his training style um, every summer when I was on a trip with him, because I'd typically be coached by him um, when I was on those trips. Um, but with, with Mike, um, he, you know, believes a lot in, you know, aerobic capacity and, um, you know, having an endurance base. And so I did a lot of yards in high school. Like, I just, 
and you know when I'm when you're doing it in high school like you think it's normal and like that's what everyone's doing and then you know as I started making trips and you know started meeting people from across the country and like talking about like you know how many yards we do or the sets we do like I just realized like wow like I'm kind of doing a lot for like a 200 and below person like oh my goodness but give us an I example really... what what would like how how many yards in a practice or in a week and like what are some of the sets maybe uh, okay like in a like a typical double day we would like easily hit 15,000 yards so we'd have like a morning practice that was like 70 minutes long and we do between 5,000 yards and 5,500 yards which I think is dense like that's a lot of yards in 70 minutes he was Mike was great at just like plowing through stuff and at afternoon practices we'd always be anywhere from 8 to 10k um on a double day and you know sometimes we'd get upwards of like 11 or 12k that was pretty rare but like oh my gosh insane to look back on and like we'd have christmas practices on um, that whole week between christmas and mm -hmm. um new year's we would have four hour practices he didn't make us double during those breaks but we would practice from 7 a.m to 11 a.m and we would just get absolutely destroyed and now that I'm like through it, I can look back and like laugh and be like, wow, like I did that. Like that's kind of a flex to think about the stuff we did. And it's like, it's interesting. The specific sets are like leaving me right now, but I don't know, like we do like 400 fly, for example. And we just like get hit with like a billion of those or like six, 600 IMs just randomly. Like he just loved to like throw some really like horrible things at us or like we do like a thousand freestyle for time. Just, oh, one of his favorite things to do was like a 5,000 freestyle for time. Like we just get hit with that. Yeah, and he's just, he, he, but everything he does, like he has a purpose to it. And sometimes like when you're young, you're like, what the heck are we doing this for? Like, oh my gosh. But like, there's a method to his madness and I, I appreciate it so much and it put me in the best shape of my life and I don't think I will ever run out of like endurance ever again. I think mm -hmm. I'll be 80 years old and I'll still be in pretty good shape even if I don't do anything. I'm getting fit um, right now just talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was so cool and so um, I think yeah going and then going to Greg and Tracy it was just it was a lot of quality and a lot of like okay, we're doing this to help specifically with your 200 back or your 100 back. And there was a lot more like explanation behind doing things, um, which I appreciated. And it was a lot more pace stuff where with Mike, he'd be like, okay, we're going to go fast here. But, you know, Greg and Chase would be like, okay, like we want this to feel like your pace for your 200 or, you know, whatnot. So um, it was very different transitioning over, but like super fun too, to try new stuff. And um, like I use a lot more equipment here, which is super fun. And we use power towers a bit more and parachutes a bit more and things like that. So um, it's very different, but I've definitely enjoyed both of them. And I think, you know, in the moment with Mike, it's like, you know, I didn't always really love it because it was so freaking hard. But then moving on, I like am able to appreciate both now. It's like, okay, like I totally see why, you know, Greg and Tracy are doing what they're doing. But now looking back, it's like, ah, like I get what you're doing, Mike. Like I understand, like, you know, the method. So I really think that doing more than one training plan and like being under more than one coach has really made me appreciate training as a whole. And I've also become a believer in like 
if you like what you're doing and you trust the coaches and you trust the process, then like you're going to be fine no matter what training you do. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think so much of it's just mental. And I think that, you know, all good coaches know what they're doing and they just have different methods to their madness. And I think that's been really cool for me to realize. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so I hope that wasn't too long winded of an of an answer. But yeah, I really enjoy both. That's all. No, that's great. All I can imagine is a club coach going, all right, six, 600 flies all out. And I mean, I want these all out. I don't want you slacking here. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's all out. It's like a master's workout. Everything's. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. There were just some practices where I'd look at the set and I'd look at him and I'd just be like, what are you doing? Like, what is going on here? There were some, some times where I just look at the set and I'd cry. Cause you know, I can be a little dramatic sometimes, but I am glad that I'm in a place now where I can look back and like genuinely like, like be happy and like have fond memories of it. Um, Cause I think especially like with your teammates, like it makes you closer, like going through that kind of pain together over and over and over again. Um, it's just, it's like, I have really fond memories. I've made some of my best friends on that club team. So, yeah. 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 Uh, John, the, <laughs> I think that's my number one pet peeve is coaches using fast or the word fast loosely yeah. <laughs> like i like as as you get uh, like higher up in levels of swimming i think you come to appreciate and like really not appreciate the, the sort of like nuances of riding workouts um, or like 10 100s and 110 sprints i'm like don't use the word sprint <laughs> That's not with... people don't understand sprints <laughs> We're just bitter because our buddy who writes master's workouts uh, uses the word fast because he was a distance swimmer. He's like, we're doing a bunch of fast 25s on 30. I'm like, well, we're not Michael Andrew and we're not doing USRPT, so they're not actually fast. <laughs> 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 like, if you want me to go fast, they're on 90 seconds. <laughs> so stop. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to ask you about uh, strength training too. And um, because, well, first, like, was that a component at all? Uh, in high school was it like kind of dry land stuff and then has that been an adjustment for you how big of a train how big is that in your training now and kind of to the extent that you're comfortable uh sharing have there been some like physiological changes that you've had to work through as you've gotten stronger yeah yeah definitely so um right when i switched to riptide in seventh grade we were doing like dry landy stuff so like box jumps and and pull-ups i loved pull-ups i do pull i've done pull-ups forever it's like one of my favorite exercises and lunges and med ball stuff and running we ran a lot in high school Mm -hmm. and so like three times a week we do like a 5k run um which was a lot but um yeah so that was most of my stuff in high school and then i started working with a personal trainer like halfway through my junior year of high school, it's like 2018. And she is wonderful. And I still work with her when I go home, um, like from school, like this year. Um, And she has a CrossFit background. And so that was, you know, very different from, you know, what most swimmers are used to in terms of strength and conditioning. And it was a ton of cardio and a lot of like either lightweight stuff or bodyweight stuff. So like, for example, we do like 30 cows on the skiing machine. And then we do like, um, like 20 goblet squats with like a lightweight. And then we do like some sprints or um, I'm like forgetting stuff now. Cause every day was, or every time I'd see her it would be like a very new and different workout. She was so creative and um, it was, it was a lot of really fun stuff, but it was a lot of cardio. Like my heart rate would always like get to like 180 or 190, like mm-hmm. in a session with her, it was like, it was tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now going to school, 
um, we transitioned a lot more into the strength side of things, which was very different for me. And it's kind of funny, like, I, I always thought I was really, really strong until I got to college and mm. I'm lifting like the lightest on the entire team. Like I just can't hang with these like other freaking strong girls. Like it's insane. Um, so yeah, that was something I was really new to. Like I'd never used a barbell before getting to Stanford. And uh, I was always used to incorporating a lot of um, cardio into my um, like strength workouts. And so that was new because we focus a lot more on, you know, like static movements instead of cardio, um, which I kind of enjoy because I think it helps me stay fresher in the pool. You know, it's like I focus on cardio in the pool and then I'm able to just focus purely on strength outside of the pool. Um, so, yeah, it's been super different. But again, it's like I've really liked both both uh, styles because, you know, they're just so different. But I really have an appreciation for both now that I've done two very different um, things. And I haven't noticed too much of a change. I would just say I've definitely like, I've noticed more muscle um, than than I have had before, um, but nothing too crazy, honestly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really like both, but um, yeah, very different, very different going from- Has your stroke changed at all? Has you, have, have they worked on your backstroke entry or your rotation? Is your fly, I mean, your fly is blowing up. Has your stroke changed much in the last two years? Um, honestly, no, I mean, oh. Yeah, not that I've really noticed. Like, there haven't really been any huge technical things that we've had to work through or anything like that. Um, yeah, honestly, boring answer, but yeah. No, no, uh, your shirt's yeah. beautiful. So yeah, I, oh, I don't, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I, I'm curious about um, just like training group changeover. You guys are, I think, kind of in a bit of a transition period right now. Um, you know, you have a small group at at trials with you and Tori, and then um you know then also player uh killing it um and, and incoming but uh then you had recently some i guess i'll call it turnover but i guess at the top of my mind is just like you know uh brook 40 kind of moving on and then ledecky moving to florida and i'm just curious like kind of what what's the culture like right now as as kind of the old guard is shifting out or moving on and like you know, does it feel like there's a shift or is that just what, you know, the outsiders see? Yeah, I would say for me personally, I feel like that's just like an outsider thing. And maybe that's partially just because I'm a freshman. Um, mm -hmm. And so we have we have a decent amount of fifth years, you know, coming back for a new year. So, um, yeah, Brooke moving on was really sad because Brooke was such a great leader. And like we all love her so much and she's still around like she still hangs out with us, which is great. But um, yeah, like on the team, I would say it's really interesting just because our freshman class is like half of the team. So I would say like the biggest shift was just at the beginning of this season, you know, when nine, nine of us freshmen came in the doors in September. Um, I think that changed the dynamic a lot, but again, it's like, I don't know what it was, what it was like before that. But um, from the upperclassmen, I've just heard that like the team has been more cohesive than it's been in like a really long time, which I think is a super great thing. And I think that's great for, for the future of our team. And um, it just makes me excited for um, our incoming class to come in the fall. Cause again, it's a very big class. There's like eight or nine of them again, and it'll change the dynamic again a lot, but I think it'll probably continue to change it for the better. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah. So I haven't really noticed a huge shift, but um, I'm really curious to see how things kind of start to change when this new class comes in. I'm excited though. I'm really excited. 
Well, now that you have some, you know, Stanford under you on the farm, what are some things you hope to instill with, uh, you know, freshmen coming in for next year and beyond? Like um, culturally wise? Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, I'm just. No, I won't say what I was going to say. Continue. <laughs> okay. Um, I just think that we all have had such a great attitude. Like, I think um, it can be really easy in swimming to be, you know, kind of negative sometimes around sets or like, if, if a meet doesn't go as well as we want it to. But I think our team has done an amazing job of being very positive and having a really, a really great outlook. Um, and, you know, just, just having the team's best interest at heart and like thinking really positively about things. Um, Cause you know, I think if one person starts to have a negative attitude, it can really drag down a lot of people really quickly. And so I'm really proud of us because, you know, every team faces adversity, you know, with adversity on our team, I think we've done a really great job of, you know, bouncing back and really working to, you know, push each other up and, and continue to, you know, do our best and be as positive as we can be. And so that's just something that I want to keep working on because, you know, I think as soon as, you know, one person starts to kind of lean the other way, it can really drag down the group. So um, we've done a great job of that this year. And so I think that's just an important thing to keep in mind in future seasons. I got a question about. Like, um, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you, you mentioned about the team that. How come you didn't go to the White House yesterday? Because I have school. I the, wanted to go so bad. Oh my gosh. The FOMO. Oh my gosh. You don't even know. But um, yeah, Tori and I both didn't go because, like, Tori has math that's been really tough and demanding and i'm in this writing class that's just like a lot is going on and so it didn't really make sense for us to like we if we had had gone to the white house we probably would have just stayed in greensboro for an extra day or two because it doesn't make sense to do the five-hour flight home and then the next day turn around and do a five-hour flight back so we would have had to just stay in greensboro and do whatever and then go to the white house and then fly all the way back here but then at that point that would have been like eight or nine days of school missed and i think we would have just like died honestly so i was so sad you didn't even know like oh my gosh seeing the pictures i was so sad so know that i wanted to be there but when, so when brian went brian did you tell me you put graffiti on the white house because you went in 08 right and met <laughs> <laughs> no i remember I, I... <laughs> actually no i did i did go to the white house twice it was bush both times but um which will date myself but uh, yeah, I remember him, I remember us giving him like a speedo and him holding up this like teeny little speedo. Uh, the only but the only thing that I did was I took uh, napkins, napkins with the uh, presidential seal on them. Yeah, they were free. Oh. <laughs> and they're hunting you down. Watch out. <laughs> well, speaking of hunting down, it was actually crazy because like, uh, well, I don't know if any of the athletes showed some of this yesterday, but like. When you're taking pictures as a team, at least when we were there, there was like they set us up on the stairs and then you're kind of waiting uh, so the president can come in. He takes the photo op and then he leaves within, you know, two minutes. But like we could tell when he was about to come out because there were these guards with machine guns that just sort of like emerged from the bushes. And it's like Rambo out there with a fully automatic rifle. And like the you know the wraparound Oakleys oh. and headphones in, and it's just like, oh man, it's business now. And then sure enough, like you know, Bush walks out a couple minutes later. You're like, oh man, like I don't know. We weren't thinking about doing anything, but it's just like this is legit. 
I don't know. Anyway, that's my story, I guess. Yeah, cool. Thanks for the follow. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> really handle that one. Um, okay, Reagan, we got a few rapid fire questions for you to finish up. Okay. You ready? I think so. What's, oh <laughs> cool. Uh, what's the hardest race in swimming? Probably 400 IM. I don't know. I'd say two back, but I don't think that'd be a popular answer. Nobody <laughs> to uh, fly after the two back, which is crazy. Ooh. I'd rather do the two fly second, I think. What is the hardest double in swimming? Oh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm just thinking about my two back, two fly double at NCs. That wasn't very fun, but mm -hmm. gosh, I don't know. These are hard questions. You that didn't, that didn't look on. fun. I would I would not want to do that double. Uh, <laughs> yeah, indoor indoor backstroke or outdoor backstroke? Indoor backstroke. Ooh, controversial. <laughs> uh, you said you're the pull-up master. How many pull-ups can you do? Max, one set. I have never I haven't done that in a long time, but I remember being in the eighth grade and I did twelve. So I haven't tested my Ooh. max in a long time, but I did twelve as an eighth grader. And legit, right, when you do them this afternoon, CrossFit, not the CrossFit stuff, right? Probably. Oh yeah, no, no kidding. Okay, not yeah. the stringy circus no. act things. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> walk it, walk it away this afternoon. And go, okay. Here's the wad. Max one set. I'm out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> if, if you could be a Winter Olympian, which sport would you do? I would love to do ice skating. I I couldn't do it, but like if I could. That would be so cool. Because I took ice skating lessons as a kid. So I really think that would be really cool. I love watching it. So figure skating, not speed skating. Yes, figure. Sorry, yes. Yeah. Yeah, OK. Skating. Just clarifying. Topic. Yes. Important. Thank you. Uh, what's the most What's the most Minnesota phrase that you use? Uh, I say oof a lot. What's <laughs> <laughs> oof, oof Just like, oh, there? Like, dang? Hot dish. Yeah. Yeah, if if you get insulted, you could say oof, or like if something like kind of tough happens to someone, you can be like oof, like that sucks. Like oof. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, Canadian. <laughs> if, if if you could have dinner with anyone that's no longer alive, who would it be? Oh, this question. <laughs> I don't. That's such a classic question, isn't it? Okay, uh, this probably wouldn't be my real answer because I'd want time to think about it. But I'm just thinking of Marilyn Monroe because of Kim Kardashian's Met Gala look. So I'll say Marilyn Monroe. There you go. Tell them mine. Oh, you, you got to watch the uh, Netflix, uh, the Marilyn Monroe thing that just came oh, out. I should. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you pee in the pool? Yeah. I feel like everyone does. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't. Hey, some people say no. Oh, anyways. <laughs> According oh. to Wicked. Your your Wikipedia says that your nickname is the Riptide Rocket. So who calls you that? Um, that originally came from it was a 2016 Winter Junior National Meet um, down at A and M, and it was the announcer. His name was Sam, and I'm terrible with names, so I can't remember his last name. He's an exceptional announcer. I'm mm -hmm. sure you guys yeah. have heard him before. He's amazing, but yeah, he sure. started calling me that because I had a really great meet. Um, I yeah, I won the hunter back, the hunter fly, and the tuner back at that meet at fourteen, and so then he started calling me that there, which was super cool. And yeah, so 
that nickname goes way back. Yeah. <laughs> Does anybody else call you that, or is it just a? It, it was just him, and then like some random like media would pick it up, or some people <laughs> on my club team would call me that as like a silly joke. But um, yeah, I don't know. None of like my friends call me that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> typical. Oh well, at least you can't pick your nickname. Don't be. Don't ever be one of those people who chooses their own nickname. That's for me. You don't want to be that person. <laughs> All right, we'll end on this one. Do you do social kit? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I thought you meant this. I was like, well, I'm doing it right now. But you mean like <laughs> actually like socially? It's a trick question <laughs> here. <laughs> wait, yeah, so you, wait, do you, you yeah, mean no, it, like, so, actually like actual cool? social kit? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and because day, uh, yeah. every what, day. Well, I yeah. I asked the question because uh, but I I laugh at um I had a good interchange with Bob Bowman because he said that uh, he doesn't believe in social kick, uh, once and so I'm like you gotta do it. Everybody does it, right? And apparently Michael never did. We don't do it. He doesn't believe in it. So, yeah. Yeah, I never did it in high school because my coach Mike was like, nah, like when we kick, we kick fast. And um, at we got twenty Louis, grand to do still. There's no time. Exactly, there's not enough time for social kick. But um, yeah, with Greg and Tracy, they do fast kick too. But every day in warm up, we do some social kick, which is super fun. Nice, I love it. Yeah. Well, I think it's a good place to end it. Reagan, thanks for hanging out with us. We look forward to watching you at Worlds in a few weeks. You got yeah. some finals to take before then, but uh, all the best to you and um, keep on the great trajectory. It's been fun hanging Thank out. Thank you guys. Perfect. Thanks so much. I had a great time. That's it for this episode of Social Kick, and we'll see you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're enjoying Social Kick, tell your friends about it, and be sure to tell us what you liked by leaving a comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Social Kick, and you can find all of our content on our website,